Rick Jensen on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL. This should not be happening in America. We are not a third world country. The world, the Wall Street Journal reports that people are bubble wrapping their windows, skipping showers, sitting in the dark, sleeping with hot water bottles in the wintertime, and keeping the homes at unsafe temperatures. Why? Energy bills. And there are things that can be done right now. I, uh, I was reading some information from our friend Scott Angel. Scott Angel is the longest-serving director of the U.S. Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement. And uh, you know him as a former uh, lieutenant governor in Louisiana. He's been on the show, like I said. Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Natural Resources. He was chairman of the Louisiana Public Service Commission. And uh, he's started this organization now called USA Energy Workers because he's fed up. And there are so many things to be done right now so that you don't have to be amongst these households that are having to pay so much more, like, like what, 40% even more on home energy. And Scott's on, and he's been fighting this good fight uh, for a few years, and I'm glad to have you on. Scott, thanks for being on. Good morning, sir. Good afternoon to you folks in Delaware. Thank you so much. I hope uh, March Madness is going your way up there in the Northeast. Uh, I'm a University of Missouri grad, so uh, we won against uh, Utah, and then we lost to the other Tigers, Princeton. How about you? Well, my my alma mater made it, got accepted, uh, invited, I should say, qualified, and got bounced out on the first uh, game against Tennessee. Tennessee got a hell of a ball game uh, team, uh, Look for Tennessee to make a little bit of noise going down next week. I think there's millions of people who put Arizona down to get to the final, and it's just they forget about it. They just they lost everything, all their brackets right on the first day. But I want to get to to this, uh, you know, balancing the three E's: environment, energy, and economy. And and I see that there's so many people who are paying 30%, 40% more for their energy needs in their homes all around the country. You have an idea, of course, because you've been involved in offshore drilling as, uh, you know, well, I guess a top environment enforcement guy in, in Louisiana, also on the Public Service Commission. What should we be doing right now, and, and how do we how do we get it done? Yeah, great question. Thank you so much. So I think ultimately we have to understand what is the best path forward, what is the best policy. And we at USA Energy Workers understand that we are in an energy transition, or perhaps others would call it an energy addition. We certainly get that. But we still believe the path forward is to balance the three E's, and those three E's are energy, environment, and economy. Somehow, some way, Rick, over the years, the blue states became the, the, the blue E of environment, the red states became the red E of energy, but there's a purple E that affects it all, all, and that's the economy, and we're certainly living in it right now. So we believe that the path forward is to balance all those three E's, and when we take a look at the metrics, the metrics suggest that American energy, not OPEC energy, is the best path forward to balancing those three E's. And certainly when we take a look at the Gulf of Mexico, a publicly owned asset owned by the American taxpayers, American people, that since probably 1953, perhaps now over five decades, we've always viewed offshore energy as part of the American energy portfolio. One in every six barrels of oil produced offshore creates tremendous amount of jobs, tremendous amount of revenue for the federal government. And yet this administration 
in spite of the environmental and climate advantages of offshore energy, you'd be interested in knowing that 73% of the oil that we import into this country has a higher carbon intensity ratio than, than, than Gulf of Mexico oil. So in the name of the environment, we're taking uh, part of our energy portfolio off the table. And what's happening, folks in your zip code right now are paying way more than they should be paying. And we are. this is all done. It's an unforced era. We, we, we have a hard time understanding why it's being done here as, at USA Energy Workers because the metrics don't suggest it. How can it be, Rick? How can it be, Rick, that while we are pausing and canceling offshore lease sales, we asking OPEC, we begging OPEC to give us more production? If this was being done in the name of the environment, it's global warming, it's not USA warming, how would we be going to OPEC and asking them to give us more when we don't want to do it here ourselves? And when I say we don't want to do it here ourselves, I'm telling you that, this, that our government is vilifying this industry, and at the end of the day, the folks in America on Main Street are paying more for the energy and is the number one cause, in my mind, of the inflation that we're experiencing in this country right now is through energy inflation. Uh, Scott, so, yeah, I, I don't understand it either. Why uh, Biden would say, hey, Venezuela, um, where you're crushing the people's lives there, you think we have horrible inflation. Oh, my gosh. And Venezuela is, is a struggle just to, you know, just to eat on a regular basis. And, and then uh, go to the Saudis and, you know, hat in hand and begging. What is it? I mean, look, you've worked in policy but, Scott, you've also worked in politics. What's driving uh, the politicians right now to, to, to stop this, this oil drilling and to get it from other countries where, like you said, 73% of that is dirty? Yeah, so, look, at the end of the day, we can only conclude that um, the, the, the facts are being ignored. Your listeners would appreciate knowing that in 2016, in November of 2016, that the Obama-Biden administration issued a federal document, federal report, public record, that said precisely that if we did not have Gulf of Mexico lease sales, we'd have to import energy from foreign countries, often with a higher carbon intensity than Gulf of Mexico production. That's exactly, this is not some right-wing group. This was produced by the Obama-Biden administration in November 2016, and precisely that advice or that conclusion is being ignored by this administration. So the environmental facts do not lead us to the actions that are being taken. And you very well heard, uh, again, not getting into politics, but just reporting the facts. You heard uh, several, maybe a month or so ago, the president made a statement during the State of the Union address that uh, we will need oil for the next decade and beyond. That is obviously uh, a statement and a conclusion that every person with common sense would certainly know. But yet their policies are still not encouraging and incentivizing uh, the production of this domestic energy. We should, in our minds, unleash the American energy worker to go ahead and help reduce the cost of energy so that we can get this inflation under control. You know, so we believe it can happen if we focus on domestic resources first. Oh, I agree. But, you know, I'm, look, I'm just this talk show host in, you know, in mid-Atlantic region. I, I, I don't have any say with with the government you know you have much better contacts in the republican and democratic parties as well as those who are kind of like you know the the people who actually do the work in these administrative agencies in washington dc louisiana and all that 
I have no idea how one convinces folks in the administration, uh, Department of Energy, to, to actually do the right thing and say, you know, it's true. If indeed uh, this, you know, climate change crisis, as they like to, uh, to tout, is worldwide, then why would you use the dirtier oil, especially the stuff in Venezuela, right? But why would you use that instead of this? But, but what do you do, Scott? I mean, seriously, I, I appreciate the fact that you and I have known each other for uh, a few years now. And we talk about this, and my listeners are educated about this. That's great. And obviously, this is Joe Joe Biden's Delaware. And the vast majority of voters in uh, the biggest county here, Newcastle County, are indeed Democrats. But, you know, I, I don't know what message for them to take that our congressional delegation will actually listen to. What What's the message for them to take to people who might actually listen to them? Oh. Did we, okay. This is what, we, yes, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, so this is what we would say. I lost you there for a second, but this is what we would say, is that the focus needs to be on, just like the, the focus that we need to have in energy is the same focus we have with farming and ranching. Uh-huh. We look to American farmers and American ranchers to feed our country. Mm-hmm. We ought to be looking to American energy workers to fuel our country. We need to take a page out of the farmer's playbook and do the same thing here. And so what we, we, we would say is that given that domestic resources, many of which are publicly owned, um, for instance, the Gulf of Mexico, this administration has declined on its own to, to, to produce what is called a five-year leasing plan. That is something that the law requires. They are slow dragging. They are the only administration in the history of the United States that has allowed the previous five-year leasing plan, offshore leasing plan, to expire without, first of all, adopting a new one. So these kind of things send signals to the marketplace that the government does not want American energy, that the government prefers to get energy from other places. And so what we would say is that at USAEnergyworkers.com, yeah. we, we would say we would we would ask Americans to sign a petition to to force our administration to adopt common sense policy that says, look, we understand that we're going to have an energy transition, but an energy transition rig presupposes that there's a plan that we're going to phase things in. Unplugging the current supply before you got the new one to plug in is a disastrous policy. So. Our, our request, our plea is for folks to support, support as we do here in Louisiana, offshore drilling uh-huh. has, a, ha, has some of the best climate advantage metrics in the world. Uh, and we would ask folks to support that by demanding that the administration do their job what the law requires and produce a timely five-year offshore lease plan that contains regularly scheduled lease sales. Without regularly scheduled lease sales, we can't do what we want to do or what we're capable of doing for this country. And this is not radical policy. We've done this for 53 years. And so it's just really, you know, unusual that this administration would shoot ourselves in the own foot at the same time as folks 
uh, across the globe that do not share our values to produce the energy. If we were doing this with farming, we'd have people starving in this country. No, I, un- I understand. This, we yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing because yeah. these, these oil rig workers, I mean, they're union people, too, and Joe always says he supports the unions. But let, let me take the devil's advocate here, Scott. So um, what about somebody who's listening and says, oh, yeah, but remember 2010, you had that Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Oh, my gosh, the Deepwater Horizon. Yeah, we need to stop drilling because of that big oil spill. What do you say to that? Well, I'm, I'm glad you, you said it because I was a lieutenant governor during that time, and that was, a, that was a tough time. But if we take a look at, you know, the fact that there are consequences for the things that we do, when we take a look at the fact that, you know, we put up, we, we, we actually, if you recall, during the Reagan administration, we had the Challenger explosion in space, and we, we said, stop for a little while, let's figure this out. We figured it out. We came back with a very, very robust space exploration program. So I would tell you when you take a look at the facts right now, in the aftermath of Deepwater Horizon, that the Gulf of Mexico is one of the safest places. Don't take my words for it. Let's look at the metrics. Uh, the metrics are very clear. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics consistently says that from a safety standpoint, offshore drilling is the second high hazard industry in America. And that we've, been, we've done so much with regulations and so much with response that we feel very, very certain. And again, this is not your grandfather's oil and gas industry. The industry has matured. The industry has proven they have the capability of, of operating in tough areas under tough conditions and producing great results. I was pleased, Rick, in 2019 to be the director that provided America with, number one, the highest oil production ever in the history of offshore in 2019. At the same time, I think the, the numbers of the, the environmental numbers were I think we had about the equivalent of 17 tablespoons of oil uh, spilled in an Olympic-sized swimming pool, if you look at that metric, if you would. Yeah. And then, of course, really, really safe performance. So it can be done. It can be done. And the climate advantages of offshore production are very clear. Again, number one, carbon intensity per barrel, second lowest in the world, best in America. And the, the methane that we flare and vent into the atmosphere is uh, among the best in the world. So the two things that the, the, the environmentalists say cause climate change, and I'm not a denier, the two things that say cause climate change are carbon dioxide and methane, and the Gulf of Mexico is among the best in the whole world. So why wouldn't we do more, not less of that, really? Yeah, because you're, so you're, actually, really you're actually burning off the, the greatest percentage of that uh, than anyone in the world. I got a call from Harry. Let's get to Harry, 302-529-1017. Harry, you're on with Scott Angel. What's your question or comment? I'm wondering... Why anyone would go buy, go drilling oil now when the price is down? Most people seem to hold on to their oil and their investment. As prices drop, they stop pumping oil. All right, Scott. Why would anybody I'm not be? Sure. I'm not sure on this. He said, "Why would anybody go uh, pumping and drilling oil right now when the price is down?" Look, the 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 the, the price is a long term kind of consideration. Folks make decisions to drill wells on a long-term economic basis. Folks make a decision to drill wells on a long-term regulatory basis. And, and so those things kind of, there's cycles in this industry, just like there are cycles at any time. You know, you don't go from, from today making a decision to drill a well to tomorrow being able to produce it. These decisions take longer. The, the evaluation takes longer. So, look, the industry is prepared. The industry is prepared. They would just get a positive signal and some positive, uh, I I think, actions, like one action would be to actually 
complete what the law requires is the publication of this five-year offshore lease sale. So you talked a little bit earlier when you opened the show about this Wall Street Journal yeah. uh, article. Can you imagine that we have people in America right now who are using shrink bubble wrap to st- stuff windows and do things and hot water bottles to sleep? That's going on in your zip code. While at the same time we say no to American production, that's just crazy to me. And there's a way to get there. And the way to get there is to balance the three E's. Well, I, I hear you. But, Scott, my last question for you is, is this. You know, with no five-year uh, drilling uh, plan in place, the federal government is, is all in for destroying uh, the oil production industry. Joe has even said, and he's sincere about it, when, when he says, oh, we still need oil for the next 10 years. Now, everybody around him laughs because they know the real truth. But he looks stunned when people are laughing, like, why are you laughing? Because he really seems to believe that you only need oil for 10 more years and not everything is electric. Not realizing that no matter what you're producing, whether it's electric car, whether it's batteries, whether it's the blades for wind turbines, it takes fossil fuels, it takes oil to actually manufacture those things. And he doesn't seem to understand that. But honestly, with no five-year plan... And, and and with the administration's policies the way they are, why would the industry even be willing to finance uh, any more drilling or take out any more loans whatsoever when they realize that the government's against us? Why don't they just quit? Well, you know, because the Americans, the Americans first, and they understand that we've had six recessions from 1973 to 2019, and each one of those recessions were preceded by a spike in energy prices. Yep. The oil and gas industry is made of a true patriots that know that when we have affordable energy in this country, we sell more cars, we build more homes, retail does better, travel and entertainment does better. They are Americans, and they understand that we cannot have a robust economy without affordable energy. And the best way to have affordable energy is to have homegrown energy, not get it from somewhere else. So all of this stuff is confusing to us. And it doesn't make sense because in the name of the environment, they're saying no to American energy and saying yes to inferior energy from across the globe. And and we just think that the best thing to do, Rick, is to get to visit with folks like you who have the ability to influence the marketplace and, and to call for more domestic energy done in an environmentally sustainable way. And we'd ask your listeners to to visit us at USAEnergyworkers.com. Very non-political, nonpartisan. We need to elevate and celebrate, validate and educate the people about the contributions of our USA energy workers. Finally, I'll say this. I love the old cliche that says, if you can read, thank a teacher. I think it's so true. I like to add, if you can read at night in your warm home, thank a teacher and a USA energy worker. <laughs> well done. Yeah, Scott, you always got a nice way of closing out a conversation. We'll get this on the podcast page at WDEL.com as well. Again, it's USAEnergyworkers.com. And I'm really glad you started this organization. You got a strong message, and I certainly hope it resonates. And, well, I, I hope you're able to you know, move the needle, as it were, and, uh, and help more production create lower energy costs. Scott and Joe, thank you, my friend. Take care. Thank you, Rick.